0: Welcome to the Tomorrow's World live webcast. We're very happy that you could join us today. It's going to be a good show. I've got my friends, uh, Dr. Scott Winnell and Mr. Wallace Smith. Today's topic will be of interest to, I believe, many of you, uh, whether you are young or old. I'll reveal the topic in just a second. Uh, Dr. Scott Winnell does have his Ph.D., and he is... A minister, and he does a lot here for the church and around the office. But one of his functions is that he teaches at the uh, the college level with our online uh, university. We also have some local students. And Mr. Uh, Wallace Smith, who you probably know from the telecast and writing and so forth, he actually uh, has a, a, a degree, a teaching degree, and he uh, taught at the at the high school level, taught math, and so. As you may be gathering, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about education, and education is, is something that's very important to society, whether you're young or old, and I, I won't um, uh, try to convince you of how important it is, but I think many of you will, will, will understand and appreciate how important it is. But education is important. Uh, it's godly. There are biblical principles. It's important to us individually as we want to go out in life and uh, you know, make our, our way throughout life. So um, before we jump into the questions, a couple quick comments, uh, sort of show prep or show um, you know, housekeeping. Please share the link. Please share the link. And uh, secondly, I want to thank everybody for last week's show. We hit all kinds of, of records. Still very small, but uh, we had a, a record number of live viewers and a record number of people who watched it uh, after, afterward. So <clears throat> let's begin. And I think we'll, we'll probably begin... Uh, point this uh, question at Dr. Scott, and then Mr. Smith can also jump in as well. But the first question, is the big business of college tuition making free college impossible? Hmm. And maybe an article to uh, introduce the question is, and this is from a magazine I don't read all the time, a Slate Magazine, how is New York's free college program actually going to work? How is New York's free college program actually going to work? Some of you have maybe heard that, that in New York they want to offer uh, free college to a lot of of, uh, New York uh, students. I think they're offering it to 22,000 students this year. Hmm. Of course, there's more than a million who could apply, and then they're talking about funding and so Hmm. forth. So let's begin, Uh, Dr. Scott, Mr. Smith, uh, is the big business of college tuition making free or i'll even add affordable college uh... impossible and what would the impacts be of that it's an
1: interesting question before i get to that though i just want to point out that mr Soselka himself actually is college educated as well he holds a master's degree in theology and he's actually one of our faculty members with living university as well so uh, good bit of education on in his background although i think you're going to see as we talk today that although I think we're all advocates of education, there's a balance, and we can't just go hog wild, if you will, into one area or one direction. In terms of is, is college tuition um, making uh, free college impossible, you know, it's a model that we have not used for a long time in the United States where other nations have used it more fully. Uh, We have states that have used a free college tuition model, but they've based it on the back of lottery funds for the last 10, 15, 20 years, and those states are doing okay with those funds. You sort of have to maintain certain level grade point average in order to qualify, but uh, the whole free college tuition thing is interesting because college prices are inflating. For a number of reasons, and the the question is, are states going to be able to keep up with this inflation in education? I'm not sure they will. There's a lot of experimentation going on, like this New York model, but we just don't know yet.
2: Hmm. I think when it comes to free education, I, I'm not an expert in terms of the economics of uh, of tuition and all the rest. I do know there are certain economic models that apply to everything in terms of uh, supply and demand. And you know, the more it seems to me at least, when I look at the cost of colleges today and what I spent, you know, I mean, I'm grateful that I had scholarships, <clears throat> but today that would have been all the more necess- necessity. It's amazing how expensive it really can be. And some people are going into debt for the virtually the rest of their lives. Mm. But on the other hand, I don't wanna make a lot of people angry at me. I appreciate the fact that I have children going to college. I wanna say send money, but I'm not really gonna say that. Anyway, I've got children who are starting to go to college now. And I appreciate financial aid. I appreciate the support they get because we do do want children who can support a family. We do want children who can I have all boys and we want them to be able to do that. But there's a part of me that says the drive towards free education sounds noble, but it seems in my experience, we don't appreciate those things for which we don't pay a price of some sort. It doesn't have to be monetary necessarily, but having been in the high school situation where I was teaching high school with my math degree and had a lot of students and some loved being there, but man, a lot of them didn't. And I felt part of it, not, not the entirety, was that they were there because they had to be there, and that's the only reason. They didn't really appreciate the value of it and sacrificed nothing at all. And this is an odd example to bring up, and you guys feel free to agree with me or you know, throw one of your attractive coffee mugs at me, but I'm reminded when David was going to sacrifice to God in the Bible uh, after God stopped a plague and all the rest, and it was at this particular fellow's property. And the fellow had oxen and such said, hey, let, use some of my animals for the sacrifice. And David refused. And he said, I will not sacrifice to God that which costs me nothing. And I understand that's for God, but he recognized that sacrifice means something. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same thing. I know, I know college meant a lot to me because I know how much money it took and how much it, it really meant. And I just feel like I don't see a culture that values real education enough such that if it's going to be free for everyone, I just wonder how do people react to something like that.
0: Mm. Well, and you know we're going to get further into this topic, obviously. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves yet. Mm. But I would also add to what you said: for what purpose is right. the education? Right. You know, are we are we getting educated just only for the sake of, of, of vanity, or you know, what's the what's the goal? Do do we, is the goal to support a family? Give back to society. Um, what is the goal now? There's different forms of education as well, or different pursuits. There can be uh, different academic pursuits. There's also the pursuit of becoming more, you know, educated about God, God's plan. Um, so, but what is the what is the goal? And uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a Second Timothy, where it talks about. You know, just basically pursuing uh, learning and never being able to, uh, to come to a knowledge of the truth. Right. You know, always seeking to learn, but never really coming to a knowledge of the truth. And that might be one of the big problems with t- today's school systems, especially the secular school systems. Right. Maybe there are some degree programs that
2: maybe aren't really right. worth pursuing, and some studies that aren't maybe
0: as worth pursuing. Right.
2: I, I'd be interested to hear what Dr. Scott says about this, because one of the things that it seems to me, and I think this chimes in with what you're, what you're saying, Mr. Sisselka, is that education has almost become a means unto it, an end unto itself. The goal is to be educated without a question of about what? What are you talking about? The Bible, for instance, gives very particular direction to education. I know we'll talk about that, but do you get that sense as well, Dr. Scott, that education has somehow become the goal without any sense of educated about what or what for? Yeah, that's an interesting question.
1: I would I would argue that I'm not sure the goal is even to become educated. I Mm. think the goal is to get a degree. Huh. Not to seek to be educated and to to seek truth through the process Mm. of earning that degree. So, yeah, I think there's a misstep there. I think there's a misnomer uh, with a lot of people thinking, oh, I just need to get a degree. I don't really care what it's in. I don't really have any ambitions one way or another, but I'm going to seek education because everybody's told me that it's worth it and I'm going to be paid better, which actually the statistics do point out that if you don't know where you're headed, um, for example, if you don't know you want to get a certification in a certain area, uh, you're, you're probably going to make some more money than if you didn't have any education. But education in and of itself is not necessarily the answer. Hmm. Yeah. And, and then you get frustrated. Okay, I've got my degree. In the world today, we're seeing there's a lot of unemployed people right. with degrees. Right. Um, they don't have the skills, they don't have the motivation, they don't have the character that employers
0: are also looking for along with that degree. You're you're probably helping us segue into the next question. And I hmm. think what the audience will see is that we're we're pretty pro education, but there's different kinds of education. There's different pursuits, mm-hmm. and uh, it maybe isn't necessarily the the degree that should be the overriding goal. Hmm. Uh, degrees can be very important, um, so we're going to kind of segue into that. Uh, in order to segue, <clears throat> let me reference this this article about New York again. They're covering up to $5,500 worth of tuition, uh, but for, for four-year in-state undergraduate tuition at uh, you know, one of the university systems, it's about $6,470 per year. So basically, the point is that the family would still have to come up with, or the student with more money. And it's kind of interesting, because people are, are complaining that, you know, that, that um, and maybe some of them are not able to afford it, but they're complaining that, that they are not able to, to uh, come up with the difference, the Delta. Mm-hmm. But one thing that this report seems to not discuss is what is the goal of the mm-hmm. education. So I think we're going to move to that to that question now. Are bachelor's degrees necessary? Right. You know, is it necessary that I go get a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree of something? Um, right. Is that is that necessary? Uh, what 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 are your initial thoughts on that? And then we'll we'll dig in deeper. We'll spend, we'll spend some time on this question.
1: Yeah, right. j- just a quick comment, a little bit about. Uh, the costs of education in the united states uh, d- these are numbers from the the college board the average cost of tuition in 2016-17 at private colleges and universities, just tuition and fees, was uh, almost 34,000 U.S. dollars. At state institutions, it was about 10,000 U.S. dollars, and at state institutions, for out-of-state students, it was about 25,000 hmm. dollars. That's just tuition and fees. That doesn't include the additional ten to 12,000 dollars for room and board. Right. So as we think about the necessity of the bachelor's degree, yeah. you've got to think about dollars and cents, too, because the average student apparently is graduating with a college debt of about 37,000 US dollars.
2: Wow. You know, uh, it it makes me think of this. Uh, We, you know, here in the Living Church of God, we're all pastors in the Living Church of God. We have weekends where singles, we'll have singles weekends, and we'll do special Bible studies and activities, and a year ago, Mr. Soselka actually did a Bible study with uh, the singles in which he made, he made a comment I really appreciated. He was, it was all to just a young men, young single men that are going to find a lady, and he is the father of a couple of young ladies, so he's got these things in mind. And he put out to the young men, it's like, look, I, I don't care if you want to be a professional wrestler, which he might care somewhat, he was making a point, <laughs> I don't care if you want to be a professional wrestler. But if you're going to marry my daughter, you better have a plan that shows it can support a family and it can achieve the things you want in life and the rest. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see any of that. If you look at, we actually have a, a audio CD. I think it's an audio CD, The Seven Laws of Success. It mm-hmm. uh, talks about those in our, uh, you can get that on our website. And if you look at those, it has them in a particular order. And education is one of those. It's right there at number two. But above number two is number one, which is purpose. What, what's your goal? What are, you trying, what are you actually trying to achieve? You need to have the right goal in mind. And too often, they focus on the degree to too great a degree. I, I thought that was hilarious. I know it's not actually not. But anyway, they focus on the degree. But really, what are you going to do with that? What do you want to achieve in life? Uh, some people get their degree, and then find they can't support themselves. They can't support a family. And let alone, it's even worse because they paid so much for that degree. What do you actually want to achieve in life? And what education will will get you there. No one seems to be thinking about that in quite the same way they ought to, I don't think.
1: Yeah, Proverbs talks about pondering the path of your feet, thinking ahead, uh, having that right goal, and what is it going to take to achieve that goal. Proverbs, uh, That's Proverbs 4.26. Proverbs 24.27 talks about preparing your field before you build your house. So there's a couple of things to keep in context. One is, you do need to prepare, you do need to plan, Um, And before you have these big life commitments, Mm -hmm. if if you're younger in life, you do need to put that education, that preparation into place first. You need to to make sure that uh, the horse, as we say, stays in front of the cart, and the Mm -hmm. cart doesn't surpass the horse. But the idea of making sure that you're not... Getting more than you need, or you're not taking lots of detours, is important. People waste a lot of time
2: and a lot of money because they don't know what they want. Right. I think so. what we've made is sort of the default option is this: is a spend a bunch of money on college. And it's kind of a default, you know. And if you don't know what you're doing, and the Bible talks about when it comes to parents, uh, you know, that you're to raise a child in the way that he should go. And of course, we think of that spiritually. You know, you want to raise a child with right values and they're making right choices. But I packed into that. At least when i read that there's this sense of also which way should my child really go what are his proclivities you know i have sons some of which you know might be more interested in academics i have some that that see some trades they all want to be able to support a family they all want a uh, a beautiful good-looking wife who's worthy of them you know uh, but you know they all want to be able to have a family but for some of them how do you support that you know i know one in particular is considering a particular trade because he's looked into it people earn good livings that way and he thinks that might be in his direction and I appreciate that, but it may not be a bachelor's degree, but it is responsible, it's education, it's focusing on moving your life, which I guess the question was specifically about bachelor's degrees. There are a lot of opportunities out there, but you can sit on a, not a treadmill, you can kind of sit on the production line, and that has been feeding people into bachelor's degrees without considering like God does. Who is the whole person? What direction should this person consider? Let's
0: keep, let's keep talking about this. I want to welcome everybody again to the show. Uh, we're talking about education. We're talking right now specifically about how important is it to get a bachelor's degree. Uh, none of us are against education. I think all of us are very much um, supportive of Proverbs twenty four twenty seven. 27 uh, Prepare your outside work, your fields, and then build your house, whether that's uh, through a bachelor's degree or through a trade. I think you'll see that there are biblical principles and laws that support that that we will will discuss. Right now we're talking about should we pursue a bachelor's degree or not. I've got Mr. Wallace Smith, uh, who was a high school math teacher for, for quite a while and I have the scars to prove it. That's, that's right. It. Dr. Scott, he, you know, he had the students uh, throwing the, the airplanes around <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the high school uh, classroom. And then Dr. Scott Winnell, who's uh, professor uh, here at our our online university and and for those of you who've joined late, he mentioned I also teach a class with, with our online uh, Christian University as well. Happy to do that. Uh, share the um, share the link. Want to say hello to people from all over Alberta, Toronto, New York, South Africa, Montreal. Uh, looks like we've got uh, about 1,600 people who have tuned in uh, nice. at at Good.
2: different times right now. So that's that's very nice. So hello to all of you. And let me before we forget, because I tend to forget, ask questions. If if right. something about this topic, you know, you're thinking, oh, I really got a question. Uh, uh, they work really hard in the control room there to get these questions to Mr. Saselka. So feel free to ask a question.
0: So we're not moving on to an, another uh, topic yet, but this is from a Forbes article and uh, the top 10 higher education issues we all agree on. And both of you have been have been referencing getting on the treadmill. And so I, it really, I want to read a couple of statements from here because it ties into exactly what you gentlemen mm-hmm. have, have been saying. <clears throat> One of the statements that they make. It's regarding higher education, um, what are some of the challenges. While college affordability remains a crisis and the free college movement has pushed accessibility to the four, uh, forefront, creating a new zone of, of partisan disagreement, here, here's some stats. They mention that dropout rates approach 50 percent mm-hmm. at many four-year mm-hmm. universities and that they're at 80 percent at many two-year colleges. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk... I want you guys, to, you gentlemen to talk about that in a second, but t- that's, that's a very bad statistic, a bad sign. Uh, then another comment from the article, bachelor's degrees, bachelor degree addiction is hurting students. And uh, it goes on to basically mention that uh, essentially there are a lot of students who are seeking a bachelor degree but don't really know why. Right. They're pursuing it. Thus. Big surprise, that's why you have 50% drop out at the four-year mm. institutions, and 80%. So what can parents do? Mm. What should students do, or potential students? What are some biblical principles? Does everybody have to get a bachelor degree? I think we already said no. <laughs> but if, you're, if you go and, and you're pursuing... There's a systemic problem in the United States, clearly, if 80% of students pursuing a two-year degree are dropping out, and 50% pursuing a 4 Mm. Th- th- something's wrong. Mm-hmm. You started that investment in time and money, right. you didn't complete the, the the effort. So can we, can we talk about that?
1: Yeah, oh, I'd just like to mention, uh, related to the two-year dropout rate being 80 percent, I have a colleague that worked as an administrator in a two-year university for a number of years, and it really, some of this comes back to the whole funding system in higher education that is really problematic. It's very easy to get loans um, and government funding, especially at the the junior college level, the community college level in this country. And people will do that, take their classes, enroll in their classes, stay till the dropout date, and then drop out, but still be able to retain those additional funds beyond right. the tuition. Right. And so there are people that make a game out of this. Huh. And. Um, it's interesting that my colleague just has mentioned that uh, there's, there's, you can count on a significant number of students. Once that, once that dropout date hits, mm-hmm. they're gone. And they won't be back till the next semester. Wow. They'll get their funding again, that free money mm-hmm. from the federal government. The dropout date hits, and they walk again. Huh. So there's, there's an issue there with, with money as well. That's interesting. Mr. I've never heard that. Smith,
0: you were making a comment, I think, earlier, maybe it was during the show prep. Mm-hmm. About if it's free, do people value it? Mm. I think, and we have a, a comment from somebody that that uh, that, I, that I know from Texas. Uh, Howdy, Texas! Uh, hello, good Texas. Good to have you here. <laughs> uh, so they they basically asked, you know, whatever happened to the concept of working while going to college rather than going into massive debt? Right. Um, you know, we can't solve or present a proposal to solve the whole educational system right. in this little show. But um, maybe, do you want to add to that? I mean, what, whatever happened yeah, to that sure. concept? Like, hey, work your way through college and right. you know, put I do some think, skin in the game. Yes,
2: I do think that's an issue, that if something's free, we don't always, we really don't always value it. And it's difficult. Uh, teaching high school, you know, like I did, in, and this is in the 90s, so I, I, maybe things have gotten completely better. I have absolutely no idea. I suspect it's not the case. But regardless, teaching high school in the 90s, and I'm not trying to fault the teachers I worked with. I hope this understand. Maybe there's some random teacher out there who says, oh, look, it's Wally on, on, on Facebook. Like, what is he saying? I, I loved everyone I worked with, the principals, the faculty. But there, the default thought was get a bachelor's degree. You've, you've got to do that. Why? Well, because that's the key to success. Not really investing in terms of knowing who these kids are, or what they should be doing. And really what I didn't see was any kind of – stress in terms of vocational work. Uh, there's an old Jewish proverb that's been passed down to me, I don't even know if it's actually Jewish, it was described that way, which is, if you don't teach your son a trade, you're teaching him to steal. You know, this concept that the things that are worth having are worth working for and make sure you equip children to actually work. And what I saw was this culture, and part of it, I think, was prestige for the school. The Bible talks about pride as a difficulty for all of us. And when you're trying to uphold the honor of your institution, then pride can get in the way to a certain extent. And having X number of students, a high percentage go get bachelor degrees, makes your school look really good, you know? And maybe it attracts more funding or you get to sell more at the bake sales. But at the same time, is it really what's best for, for the kids? And I, that's what I don't see. Uh, in the Psalms, we're told... If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I see a lot of good people in education, in, in higher levels, and lower levels, working so hard to try to help students. And it's something foundational. It's things at the very rock bottom yeah. that if you don't get those things fixed, you're not gonna get the rest fixed. I think we could go further in, there, there are other issues related to funding
1: behind this dropout rate, but I wanna pick up on something Mr. Smith was talking about, and that actually has to do with hard work. Hmm. How many people really, how many young people today really are committed to working hard? That principle you were talking about a little while ago, the seven laws of success. Mm-hmm. One of those laws is drive. And another one is perseverance, sticking mm-hmm. in when time gets tough. Proverbs six, 6 says, go to the ant you sluggard consider her ways and be wise." And the idea behind it is we've got to work hard when it's time to work hard. Even Christ made that comment, I've got to do the work while it is yet day. And in order to be successful in any kind of educational endeavor, you've got to be planning for hard work, you've got to expect it's going to take hard work, you've got to expect it's going to take time, and you've got to really you proverbially, put your nose to the
2: grindstone and push and work hard. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think the key is to raise tuition prices any further or anything like that, but Jesus Christ did say where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And when I when I saw people in mm-hmm. colleges and had friends, and they were the ones that were working hard to pay that tuition, they weren't blessed like me to have the scholarships, but they didn't want loans, and so they are going to college every day, studying, but then working at night, bleary eyed. But that meant something to them because if they didn't mm-hmm. if they didn't succeed, that was wasted money; it was down the drain, and they took that so much more seriously. Whereas my wife made the observation, seeing some other colleges and places where she lived, when it was kind of a I hate to say just upper class, but people—you could tell these kids their their mom and dad bought their BMW. You know, probably paid for the entire college education. Mm-hmm. She said the attitudes were completely different. Just slackers had a hard time hiring to get good workers. Uh, so no, sacrifice makes a difference. Jesus Christ said, if we have to be invested in it in some way for it actually to matter to us in some way, and I don't know if these these free programs are very noble. I mean, it's a good idea, but I suspect. It's going to come back and bite us in some other way.
1: For me, just as a public university faculty member, which I was for a number of years, I saw the same thing in my classrooms where the the kids that were there, and it was usually freshmen, they would work their way out after the first year. But the ones whose mom and dad were were paying for it all, they had fun, they played, they Mm -hmm. didn't focus the ones who had to, to push and earn it for themselves had a different kind of focus in mm-hmm. their life. So I,
0: I think you're absolutely right, and that's a godly principle too. Yeah. Now we've had a couple people ask on Facebook, <clears throat> they said, you know, this is, this is great, but uh, what about what they're teaching in the higher education systems, <laughs> where they're, they're denying God, they're teaching, you know, uh, against God, they're teaching... Have they read
2: our questions ahead of time? Did they know what we're going to? Exactly, so, so too, right.
0: great question. Um, you know, I, I saw that question come in on Facebook, and I, I, I couldn't help to think of Romans chapter one. Mm. I, I'm sure all of us probably thought of that, but let me just read a couple, just a couple of verses from Romans chapter one, and that might be a good um, introduction to kind of, you know, what are the future generations learning on college campuses, right. and how can we as Christians and Christian moms and dads uh, help our kids and so forth. Paul, Paul was extremely educated, And he wrote the following in Romans chapter 1. I'll begin in verse 18 19. He said, "...the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness." So he's bringing up this concept of suppressing the truth, right? There's truth that they're suppressing, and that would indicate that they kind of know better, wouldn't it, right? Mm -hmm. You're suppressing it. And then he says, "...because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, you know. God, so, and then, and then, what what is he referring to that he has shown right. to them that should make God evident? Well, verse twenty, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, so his godhead, the fact that he is, um, <clears throat> are clearly seen they're clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. So the things that are made, we've been made, the earth has been made, um, you know, they demonstrate His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse, verse 20. And we've all, you know, made these, use these analogies. If you are walking through the, the woods mm-hmm. and you see a, uh, a car, you know, a broken down car in the woods, or a brand new car in the woods, yeah. does anybody in the right mind think, well, that just... Just must have happened, you know. The squirrels built it, mm-hmm. or it just sort of happened. Mm-hmm. But yet, in the higher education system, we've got people that mm-hmm. are are undermining teachers that are undermining, you know, belief in God. And yet, hi- highly educated um, people down through history, including the founding fathers, and, and including scientists, many, not mm-hmm. not maybe not many, but a lot of scientists, mathematicians. Um, you're a mathematician, and there are mathematic laws that sort of just demand that there was a lawgiver. There are scientists and educated people who believe in God, mm-hmm. but the education system, the higher education system, is notorious for tearing it apart. So back to the question, the, the gentleman was asking a few people, you know, what about that? How do we as parents mm-hmm. help protect our kids
2: and guide our kids, knowing that that's the reality out there? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I know Dr. Wynel can address this really well because it's part at the heart of Living University. Uh, So I want to defer. I'll have a comment, but I I know you're going to have something to say about this. you probably chomped at the bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Great question, because the reality is
1: that higher education today, and it doesn't really matter what country you're in, it's based on secular humanism and moral relativism. Uh, The moral foundation for higher education is not the Bible. It's human thought, it's human reason, it's the whole biblical concept of uh, people do whatever's right in their own eyes. And we've we've got to keep that in mind. Now, there are certain benefits to higher education. You you can get some learning and some training and degree preparation and career preparation that can be very valuable, but you've got to navigate a spiritual minefield to do so as much as universities like to claim that they're unbiased and um... that they don't have any leanings in one way or another they're very biased institutions uh, I, i've talked with other people who have taught in higher ed that are ministers as well and i've i've seen it in my own experience where the educational system really is designed to deconstruct the value system of young people and rebuild that value system in the eyes of society as it stands today, which is a very dangerous place to be if you're young, naive, and don't have the spiritual discernment and skills yet to protect yourself. And that's where parents have got to come in, and helping protect their young people being involved in their education. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, you, you get a lot of people who go into higher education and have a biblical morality, a biblical value system, and that's deconstructed by
2: the time they're done. Right. I, I would actually feel terrible if, you know, someone listened to us and said, wow, I need to get my kid to college, and they go to some college that ends up just, quote unquote, I'm not going to say exactly this, but, you know, ripping their religion and their faith from them, you know, and they turn out to some sort of, you know, secular robot. But the fact is, exactly as Dr. Scott Winnale just talked about, so many campuses, it's really the goal. I was thinking about the history of education, because we were talking about that, that if you go back far enough, even if it wouldn't agree with all the doctrines these institutions held, because they wouldn't all be accurate, at least there was this idea that we're trying to to rear moral, godly people. There was a sense of that. No longer. We went through passages of time in which it seemed as though relativism was the goal. You know, it's like, when all things are relative, you know, your truth isn't the same as my truth. But was all that really because they believe in relativism? What we're seeing now is a rather strong fundamentalism about certain values. It's like, let's just deconstruct the values we don't like, let's take all that apart, make it very relative, and now substitute these new ones. And they're very much is a matter of sin and righteousness on campus today, but it's, it's different kinds of social justice things that aren't related to the Bible at all, often quite, quite the contrary to that. And those things do have to be taken into account. We can't send our children to some sort of college or some sort of school and not ground them in a violent, important way about what is absolutely important. If you don't have things right with God, then the rest of the education isn't really gonna make any sort of difference. It's a myth that you can educate the person and God not play any kind of real role in that. We can just fill their heads with knowledge, uh, and that's all that's sufficient. You know, the, those who ran the Nazi concentration camps were often highly intelligent people. It's got to be so much more than a matter of facts. In fact, we were talking about our early education preparation and such. I remember... One of the classes I took when I was getting my certification as well as a teacher was how in the past there were three pillars of society that at least American society counted on. Uh, It was the churches, the family, and the schools. And so if the families are advocating, abdicating their positions, uh, if the churches don't really play any more role, then the only pillar that's left is the schools. And we do see people who have a certain mind about how society should go using those tools in the schools to shape the minds in a way that certainly is unbiblical.
1: And this is actually Living University, the educational, major educational arm of the Living Church of God. Our, our aim really is to recapture true values, godly values, but also to be teaching, that the, teaching and educating through the concept or the, the undergirding of the Word of God, the Bible, this thing right here, is the foundation of knowledge. And that's really where higher education and education in general in our societies have gotten off on the deep end today. What is the moral foundation? There is no moral foundation. It's a secular foundation. And we've we've got to come back to that. We've got an article on our website entitled "Higher, Higher Education, a Christian Perspective which gives a little bit of guidance in trying to determine and and pick out some wise ways to approach higher education if that's really the design and the intent of, of our young people today. There are ways to do that. There are ways in a godly way to navigate the spiritual minefield that's out there, but we've got to be very careful because it can be destructive morally and spiritually
2: to our kids if we're not careful. Yeah, I remember even at Texas A&M University, really one of the finest uh, universities, personal opinion, anywhere. Um, You know, there, I remember as a freshman taking Philosophy 101, I I enjoyed that kind of stuff. I enjoyed logic and those kinds of things. But it was also at the same time I began attending... um, church and, and got to know a family really well and would relate with them the things that we were talking about, because very much that class was about, like you talk about, deconstructing any sort of sense of what's actually right and wrong. And it was great as a young man to be able to process those kinds of thoughts with godly people of real character and a real mind for God. So the end result of those things was not taking me away from my creator, but actually seeing things more clearly. I remember one of my favorite questions one of my sons ever asked, to me showed what I would hope would be the product of education, which is we're talking about fulfilled prophecy as evidence that God wrote the Bible and who he is, what he is, and he asked the question. He said, well, dad, how do you know that prophecy was written? He was little, we're talking about maybe seven or eight. You don't know, think it's odd to talk about your kids about prophecies, they're seven or eight. And he said, well, how do you know that was written before the actual events occurred? And I thought, you know, that's critical thinking. People accuse Christians of not wanting their kids to think critically, quite the opposite. I was delighted he was asking those kinds of questions. I think a good, proper education uh, would actually enable someone to think clearly and ask those sorts of questions, but not pretend that the Bible doesn't actually have the answers, you know, and actually provide, they want to ask the questions, but say, that's a good question. You shouldn't trust that. So, no, that's a good question. Here's the answer. Uh, a
0: couple people have asked on Facebook, um, you know, how do we prepare our youngsters for for dealing with upper education, uh, being confronted by those who maybe try to undermine their, you know, their belief in God? Um, also, people are asking on Facebook, what are, you know, are there tips for how we can prepare our children um, to basically, uh, you know, desire t- to learn more about what God's purpose is for them? Let me... Let me reference uh, an article here. This is U.S. News and World Report, and it's from just I think uh, a few days ago. It's 2017 June, mm. <clears throat> and there's an interesting comment that's only half right, and I think this huh. maybe illustrates the danger in the thinking. The, the comment, I think the the author meant it well, mm. but I think it, it illustrates a, a flaw, a danger. They said. Education is always a handshake between families and teachers, between students and schools. Mm. Compulsory attendance laws can make children show up, but it's hard to teach someone who doesn't want to learn. Well, I mean, that's true. If your kid right. shows up and, 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 and the, uh, the parents have been telling the kid, don't respect authority, you can goof off in school. I mean, the parent has to do their job to instill a sense of respect with, for, toward authority with their, their right. kids. So, you know, we, we, we all agree. But then the statement uh, continues. Now, part of the teacher's job, this is the U.S. News article, part of the teacher's job is finding the way to open a student's heart and mind. Okay, you know, by the same token, though, the job of parents, and this is where I, I think it's dangerous. This following statement is dangerous. By the same token, though, the job of parents and guardians is to send to school children who are responsible, respectful, and ready to learn. Well, that's half true, mm-hmm. but, you know, the Bible says, uh, Proverbs 14.1, the fool has said there is no God. Now, we don't encourage our kids to go to school and tell their teachers that they're fools, right. but if you encounter <laughs> a <wouldn't> teacher <laughs> or an educational, you know, construct or institution right. that's trying to undermine your belief in not just, not even just God, which is ultimately the most important, but say undermine your belief in, in principles that really have been fundamentally American or fundamentally you know, historically normal, whether it's, you know, marriage and family, you know, all these different pillars that society's been built on. We need to prepare our student, our, our children to be able to deal with that. So long, you know, introduction, I guess, but a number of people are asking, you know, what can we do to prepare? I will just make one statement and I'll turn it over to you guys. Um, you know, we can't answer every question, uh, in every article, but what is the the cover article for the may June two thousand and seventeen tomorrow 's world magazine why kids go wrong you you can look to the Bible and look to the church and if you don't subscribe to the magazine request it it 's free hmm. and parents have an obligation like that article mentioned to you know prepare their kids, but they also have an obligation not to send their kids out naked, mentally, and emotionally right. and be you know.
2: Have, have their belief in God and so forth destroyed. What right. can parents do? Well, I, I have just two specific things. Try to, try to keep it simple. Uh, I think two things. Our society has come to a point where I think it's accidentally. I don't know if this was by design. We could debate that all day. But at the very least accidentally, as parents, we've almost been trained to not consider ourselves a full part of our children's education. We kind of rely on the schools to do that. You know, we send them away and hope the school is going to be edu- educating them. What I can say as, a, as an educator, the students that did best in my class were the ones whose parents were always very involved, talking with their kids, not just talking to make sure they were doing it, but interacting with them about their schoolwork. I had kids complain, oh mom and dad are on me all the time. It's like, count that a blessing because I know students where they're not and they're not doing as well as you are. So, Take complete, really be invested in what your kids are doing completely. There's a limited amount of time. Mr. John aguin used to say this, an evangelist in our church. There's a limited amount of time where you are the biggest influence in their life. Take full advantage of that and don't abdicate that to someone else. But all the more, Jesus Christ tells us in Matthew chapter 6 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then let the rest fall. That will not only help us filter our other pursuits, but ennoble those we choose and choose rightly. As parents, if we can instill that in our children, their number one priority above all things is to seek first the kingdom of God, then everything else, I think, falls in line. Those are the two things I think I would say.
1: This topic is sort of near and dear to my heart. My my doctoral dissertation work was on parent involvement in education. Uh, Mr. Smith made an interesting observation. I would reword one of the things you said. I think... Too many parents today entrust the education, and I, I use that word very purposefully, entrust their education to the system. We cannot forget 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, where um, Paul is talking about how Satan is the god of this world. Satan is. It's his society that he's developed, and he's designed a society to deconstruct and break down families and prevent morals from being passed on. And so what do we see? We see super high divorce rates in societies all around the globe. What does that translate into? That translates into one-parent families working a lot, who's raising the kids and imparting the morals, the system. We see intact families with both parents working and working a lot, Kids are going into schools, and then they're going into after-school programs, and they're going into daycare. Who's educating the kids? The system is educating the kids. As parents, it is incumbent upon us. Read the first part of uh, Deuteronomy 4 and the first part of Deuteronomy 6. It's the responsibility of the parents and the grandparents to teach the children God's way of life. So just sort of echoing, we've got to give our kids a moral, biblical, godly foundation from which to work upon. But the whole time, parents have got to be involved. You've got to be involved in what's going into your kids' minds, and we have to teach our children to think, not just to absorb information, because that's so much of what the system does. We have to teach them to think and to analyze, just like your son was doing at age seven. Right. You're teaching him to think. Don't just take the information, ask the questions. Right. We've got to teach them to th- we got to get them a moral foundation, and if they hear something that differs from that moral foundation, they need to be asking questions, okay, what's going on here? Right. And if they don't have the answers, they need to come to mom and dad right. and be taught, come to me, come to the minister, ask us these questions. We've, we've got to equip our kids with this armor, if you will, to defend themselves against society that's trying to change them right. into something
2: God doesn't want them to be. Yeah, I, you know, when I was teaching, I taught math at all different levels, uh, from the kids that are just about to drop out and are taking just the most basic math, hoping they're staying in school, to the calculus kids. I won't tell you which ones were more trouble. You, you might be surprised. But anyway, it was interesting. On one hand, because I'm about to say something, and I realized I had to qualify a little bit. I had some parents that would jump in, and they would, uh, and they're, they would argue with me, but not not on behalf of their child, more on behalf of the grade. Talking about the degree instead of the grade. Well, why'd you give my kid a B? He should have had an A. It's like, well, you did this and this. I had one parent tell me, well, my kid shouldn't have to do any homework or shouldn't have to study. He's just learned it in class and make a bunch of A's. It's like, no, your kid earned that F. But anyway, on the other hand, all the more parents really should, the school is there to serve the family in terms of bringing up these children. Our society, and almost kind of the article really made me think that way that almost as if the parents' job is to serve the schools, make sure the kids are just ready for the system. That's not the case. These are your children. Uh, They're they're your responsibility under God. And if this is something society provides that's supposed to be helpful, that's great. Mm -hmm. But don't get that reversed. Don't think that your job is to feed a system. Rather, it's there and hopefully it's helpful. Always keep that in mind that they're. Our, our children are our responsibility before God, exactly like you're talking about, Dr. Scott, and we can't abdicate that in a, in a culture that is designed to have us almost accidentally do so if we're, not, if we're not careful.
1: We have the privilege of being able to homeschool our children, and they're both in high school. And last night I was sitting down with my daughter, listening to one of her lectures with her. And it's, it's, a, it's a subject area that I know there can be some uh, questionable content in. Hmm. And so we sit there with the tablet, and... Hmm. We each hit pause from time to time and say, okay, let's stop this, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Because I want to teach her not only what's right and what's wrong and what she's being exposed to, but how to question and how to, how to dis- discern right. good from evil. But we've got to be engaged. And if you haven't read our booklet on successful parenting God's way, I really encourage you to do that. It, it, educating our kids in a safe and healthy way, directing them really comes down to parenting and our philosophy on parenting and whether or not our philosophy on parenting really is in line with the scripture this is a great helpful tool
2: yeah i can say actually uh... doctor jeff fall who wrote that booklet um, i his children i was the pastor of one of his children as an adult and i can say that fellow's not a weirdo so doctor fall did a good job anyway it's uh... Yeah, it's a good booklet i
0: think you know <clears throat> being actively involved don't shun the work we've had a number of questions coming on facebook and people are asking you know homeschool, public school, and, you know, we don't have time to get into all that right now, Uh, that would be a great additional show. But uh, Joseph Stalin, you know, not somebody that we should um, want to emulate. What? Uh, He made a statement, a quote, that said, education is a weapon whose effect depends on who holds it in his hands and who it is aimed at. And education, um, I don't like to think of it as a weapon, but boy, it can be a weapon, and it depends on... Who holds it, Mm. and who it is aimed at. And I think as parents, if there's something I would want to reinforce, is if you are disengaged, then you are letting your kids just be out there in the middle of an ocean which is Satan's world, and they don't have a life vest, and they don't have a whole lot of help if you're disengaged. If you're engaged, then you know there's all kinds of little um, conversations we can have. You know, maybe in your school district, you have a good relationship with the, the the faculty, and they're they're conservative, and they're not pushing a propaganda down down your kid's throat. Maybe right. in some other school district, you know, they are not. But if you're if you're disengaged, um, you, 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 as parents, we cannot be disengaged. We have to be actively. Yeah. Don't be afraid to put in the work. And there's costs. There's costs there. That means time. For the mom and the dad both, if there's a mom and a dad both. You know, sometimes it's one mom or one dad, Right. but that means work and time. And maybe you don't get to go see a movie and maybe you don't get to uh, work a full-time job if you're, you know, the husband or the wife, you, you know, maybe you can work a part-time job or you, you can't work because your kids
2: are your responsibility and it's work and it's time. Right. I, you know, you're saying there when you're encouraging parents to make sure that they're really investing, I want to say if... If we don't invest in our kids, I'm not talking monetarily, just in terms of that attention and, and effort, there is someone out there who wants to invest in our place, who, who actually is more than happy to invest in that child's education, but then they're going to be in charge of that. But I also want to express some sympathy, and I, I appreciate what you talk about in terms of single parent families and stuff. You know, we realize there's a lot of families in very difficult places, you know, and they're thinking, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that, I don't have the money to do this and that. God doesn't expect any of us to do what we can't. He expects us to really strive to do what we can uh, and to work with Him on the rest. So, none of this was meant to put anybody in despair. Mm-hmm. All the more, just focus on doing what we can, but then on our knees. Like, I, I know myself, this is going to shock all of you, I know, but I am not a perfect parent. No going to shock my kids because they all think I'm perfect. But,. I know, and I don't do it nearly enough, but I try to make sure I ask God to fill in the gaps for all the things I can't do, because I know I can't do it all. Um, but I do hope I, I strive to do what I can. And that's what we're saying. We're not trying to, to make anyone really scared. We're just trying to encourage them to know the role we play for these kids and to, and to make sure they invest in it.
1: Two things. I, I totally agree. And Mr. Soselka's comment about investing time, you know, it doesn't matter whether you homeschool your kids or whether you have them in public schools. If you don't invest time in their education, you, you, you cannot t- trust your child's education to anyone, whether it's the public system or private system or home schools because if you do you're entrusting someone else to raise your child we also can't forget though um, john dewey is known as the father of the american educational system as we know it his whole design a big thrust of his design with the educational system was to create a system that would create the future society using schools to really form the thinking patterns of the future This is a guy who is an atheist, and our schools of education are based on his philosophies today, the schools that kick out the public school teachers, or not kick them out, but put them out into the system. So we've got to know this. You might be in a really good public educational system, so to speak, but beware of the underlying philosophies. Dewey's fingerprints are all over it, and the whole purpose of the system is to form the children into the future citizens that the system wants. And we've got to be very careful with that. Parents, we've got to put the time in, like Mr. Saselka
0: said. We're going to sadly have to wrap. Um, we are trying to extend the show a little bit, so we're around 45 minutes or whatever. It, it yeah. felt like you know, much less time. Hopefully, it was helpful. And I, I really want to thank both you gentlemen. We could go for a lot longer. I want to say hello to people from Haiti, Jamaica, uh, all throughout Europe. So hello to all of our friends out there. Uh, We will continue these, God willing, every Thursday at 3 o'clock, so uh, please do join us next week. We will continue to explore today's news in light of uh, biblical truth and biblical principles. We'll see you next time, uh, 3 o'clock next Thursday.